Show episode number 187. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me. Hey. At home in Las Vegas at the Casa de Cold Coffee. Hey. I like it. I see what you, I see what you're doing there. I'm working I'm working in there. I, I see I'm what you're doing there the- because <laughs> it is a beautiful Thursday afternoon in Las Vegas. 75 degrees. We're sitting at the Casa de Cold Coffee with the windows open, mm-hmm. enjoying the fresh air and as we like to do we like to have a little frosty beverage as we sit down and do the MMA roadshow. And I see what you were doing there with the Japanese uh, little hey. – because as some people would say, you know, we're, we're kind of common folk when it comes to our beverage selections. Now, you know, we're lucky when we can have a Ballast Point home game and we can do it up real nice. But for the most yeah. part, we're simple people. But today I see that uh, you went out of the way to stock up with uh, this fantastic brew. I'm not sure what it is exactly, but – uh, it's it's a canned lager. It's 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 light. It's refreshing. But it's true, it's, true. It's got a, a Japanese label on the side of it. What what I believe is is Japanese, right? Now I'm going to yes, be honest. Yes. I don't I don't I don't know actually the the the, the Japanese language. Uh, but it looks to me very much like Japanese symbols. So it does. Um, I, it? You've really you've really classed it up beyond what we normally do. So <laughs> um, I, I think probably no better way to start than to maybe just reveal. What this uh, fine Japanese brew that we're uh, that we're drinking is? Well, you know, well first to because we are art connoisseurs as well. You know, this can is a limited edition in a sense. It was a uh, there was a can competition where they reached out mm-hmm. to artists and the artists could design their can, and this was uh, was presented that Cajun. I'm probably saying that wrong. It's probably Gaijin. Cajun Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably Gaijin or something. The artist as the mm. winner of the 2018. PBR art can oh, competition. It's PBR. It is. The, don't let the fancy label. Uh, oh, oh, oh I see. If you turn it around the other way, yeah. I was only looking at the part that I was consuming. Yeah, but you, you see that? You notice that the, it looks like gloves. Don't those look like boxing? It gloves? does look like boxing gloves. This yeah. is very MMA roadshow uh, right? appropriate. It's. It, it was like it just meant to be, and that's why pairings up of us and award-winning loggers are 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 just fantastic. Well done. Well thought out. Established in Milwaukee, 1844. That is uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> 1844. Oh, which man. neither one of us will be going to. No, we will be in Honolulu, Hawaii yeah, in December. I'm not hating. I know. I'm not hating. Milwaukee's a, that's a good place, but it gets cold. I uh, Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I was uh, hoping that that's the draw we would come up with. And as it happened, yeah. the MMA Junkie Travel Guys decided to send us to Hawaii for the Back-to-back Bellator events in December, and uh, Mr. Matt Erickson will be making uh, the the uh, transport from the Chicago area to Milwaukee for that ah, USC on Fox show. Chicago. He's used to the cold, man. He lives in the yeah, Chicago area. It ain't going to be nothing for him. Nah, he's good. He got, he got that winter skin. We, however, do not. I'm telling you, if you ever are planning a trip to Las Vegas, April or October, pick one of those two months, man. It's the two best months of the year for weather and, yeah, yeah man, 75 degrees. But, but even next month. Next month's gonna be nice, sure, sure. but like, like literally though, today I I had to run to the store and get like some cat food. I was in shorts and sa- uh, shorts and my sandals, mm-hmm. and it was completely fine, and it felt so good. Just because this is the time of the year where, you know, like if you're somebody like me, where I do like that energy payment plan where you spread your payments out right. over the year. These are the months you make your money back. That's right. You know, because you're paying, you still pay the large amount, but you're not 
using as much. Windows you know? open. Which sounds weird, you know, because you're like, why would you want to pay more? Because it's it's during the summers when your AC is running nonstop and your bill hey. would be like 400 bucks. Yeah, air conditioning bills you here know? in Las Vegas during the summertime can get very it get real. It can get really, really bad. But, yeah, right now everybody, you see them rolling down the street with the windows open, you know, driving the cars. Like, this is the perfect. This is uh, like – early like maybe early fall uh maybe like a late spring in a lot of other places because it's just so nice and temperate here it's the best it feels time so do. good because listen man vegas so is a fun time and for the most part when you're coming to vegas you're probably gonna be hanging out inside anyway so it doesn't yeah. it's not brutal but especially if you're on the strip man and you're walking up and down the strip which you know a yeah. lot of tourists do uh you know just kind of walk from property to property because it's honestly just as easy as taking a cab from property to property because of the traffic and stuff on the strip <laughs> it is probably quicker but man when you're trying to do that during the summer when it's 110 degrees yeah. outside. It's tough, man. It, yeah. It's tough. You can still get sunburn out here, especially now because the sun is still strong. Yes. It's not as strong as it was, but it is still strong. Like, if you're outside, you just don't notice it now because you're like, oh, it feels so good. But even in our winters, you know, for me, you know, having history in, like, Ohio and stuff like that, like, winters here for me ah, are absolutely nothing, 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 you know. So there's really no bad part in the winter. For, for for those of you that are in colder climates, you could come here any time sure. of the year, especially in our winter, and you would laugh at, at, at people's right. reactions to what the winter is here. But it's it's nice, man. It, it's hard to think of uh, – other places when in terms of weather like where you'd want to go because you know what your weather for the most part is going to be here you know in the summer it's going to be hot you know most of the other days it's not going to rain it's going to be sunny it's the perfect city for I me mean, because i can wear shorts year round it is <laughs> <laughs> totally your city oh man listen uh you've been working a little bit today i actually had the day off but i did uh i can't say everything that i, that I did uh well I, I can say what i did i can't say everything about it but uh, I just finished, before I came over here, I finished shooting some stuff uh, with our good buddy Brett Okamoto over at ESPN. Um, I can't say totally exactly what they're doing, but they're doing a long-form feature on uh, the Chuck liddell Tito Ortiz rivalry. Um, and it's not coming out before the fight. It's actually encompassing the, the new fight, but it's going back to the old stuff as well. Man, they have talked nice. to – like they – I mean – they're doing it up right, man, and, and they have talked to the, – the people that they told me they've talked to, they dug deep into the past and really, like, spent some time. And uh, fortunately, they, they included me on it as well. But um, kind of cool to see the, the ESPN production muscle, you know, yeah. getting behind it. And, and Brett, of course, who we've known for a long time, uh, a good buddy of ours, you know, hearing him kind of talk about the, the, the resources that they've allocated to this, uh, you know, I think part of it, you know, kind of in, in advance of the of – the, UFC deal coming to their network next yeah. year, but um, pretty cool to see. So uh, this is actually yeah. not – it's not a hype piece. It's not a promotional piece uh, for the end-of-year fight, but it's going to uh, it's going to encompass yeah. the whole the whole gamut of their uh, of their rivalry. Which is kind of cool because, I mean, one, a lot of the history yeah, is if it was two guys that maybe weren't so entrenched in the history of UFC, it'd be maybe a little head-scratching for those that are like, but it's a Bellator event, right. you know. But the fact that these two are pioneers, and I think it's nice that ESPN has taken a, a stab at, uh, you know, uh, pioneers of the sport, yes. you know, old-school MMA. So, I mean, it bodes well that they'll, you know, maybe dive deeper in, and do further stuff, maybe go back and look at some of the stories of the Hall of Famers and those kind of – it'd be neat if they would go back into Sakuraba's past, you know, and do some neat I shit. Agree. You know? I agree. I think enough really time cool. has passed now that yeah. those stories are relevant. You know, even though they're not that long ago, I was kind of talking to Brett after we finished filming and we were talking about some of the stuff. Like, we're kind of at that point now where MMA has been around long enough 
that some of that stuff that might seem like common knowledge or like, you, you know, like, okay, yeah, we kind of knew – it's been long enough that, A, you kind of forget a little bit, and, B, you know, simple little details that didn't seem relevant then are relevant now. You know sure. what I mean? So I think going back and revisiting and documenting, you know, some of the things that happened behind the scenes and the pioneers. I mean, yeah. I'm a big fan of the, the, the 25 years in short uh, yeah. that, the, that the UFC has been doing. I mean, little short feature films, but still kind of trying to capture some of the essence of the past, man. Uh, I, I love that stuff. Yeah, and I think, too, having – uh, a big name like ESPN behind it, you know, maybe a lot of people that maybe were on the fence in the past when maybe first approached to do stories on some of these people, they're maybe like, uh, you know, I, I just don't want to be bothered. But, you know, when you bring a big name like that, I, I bet you're going to probably see people more willing to want to make their stories come to light, you yeah. know, maybe, you know, so it's neat, you know, that the, if they put that, that, you know, much emphasis into trying to get that stuff. I bet they could really drum up some really cool stories oh, that maybe they, they've just got some talented sit. people and they've yeah. got they've done some and they great got, pieces they over got the years. Some serious budget too. I mean like it's pretty impressive the amount of money that they're willing to do on some of these things. So it's kind of neat to think that they'll do some of that stuff around the sport that we all care about, you know. Okay, uh hopefully I don't get in trouble for saying this cuz again, Uh-oh. I was kind of I didn't sign a non-disclosure agreement, so if this I screw is, it, is this like an EA Sports so video? I, is this like a <laughs> UFC 3 video thing? Are we going to get a are we going to get some bad words? We from, might we might get a nasty email and it's a nasty get pulled aside and you Brett's never going to come play golf uh, with us again. Man. Uh well listen, I, I'll say this to just to and just to point to what you're saying about the type of budget they have available. Brett told me that they have camera crews with both Chuck and Tito every day leading up to this fight. From now until then? Yes. Holy cow. Every day. Imagine that's that. Can you imagine? Now, I don't know. I'm not saying that it's all day, like that, that that's yeah, all yeah. they're doing. But can you imagine checking in with them every single day? Yeah. The type of money crazy. that they're – I mean, that's, that's, that's a incredible, lot. man, what they're, what they're going to I mean, Because even if it's just one – it's probably at least a two – I'm guessing probably a two-man crew – just a one, so like you know, just keep them on track. You know, you got your shooter, and then you got your field producer, probably. Right, who's saying we you know, collect this? We got to get that. this. Let's make sure we get this. Um, so nuts. Uh, yeah, I got to make sure I, my my package says it was delivered, <laughs> and I can go check up at the door. <laughs> Are we gonna have to stop uh, recording just so you can no, go check no, the door? No, I will go check in a little bit. I I love it when the mail comes. What do you, just, what, what do you got on the way? No, oh, just things. Mm. Just thanks. All right, <laughs> all right. I, I've, I, oh, I won't even go there. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, uh, speaking of those twenty-five years in short, uh, if you haven't been watching it or you haven't keeping up with it on USC Fight Pass because they've been kind of sporadically delivering them, uh, I will say, and I've, I've kind of they're, they're really good. There's a lot of good ones. The Matt Hughes one, the one on Matt Hughes is incredibly powerful. Uh, talking about uh, the accident that he had and the battle that he's had to get back to where he is, it's really, really good. It's worth checking out. To be honest with you. Uh, it had me in tears at the end of it, so that's worth checking out. Um, the one that just came out uh, called uh, Matter of Pride is phenomenal as well. It goes back and um, kind of looks at when Chuck Liddell, actually, when he went over to fight in Pride, and they were trying to put together the Chuck Liddell-Vanderlei Silva fight, and it's got some old-school footage of, of a, uh, a much younger Dana White with hair and skinny yeah. uh, in there. <laughs> it's got a very skinny Alistair Overeem in, in there, some footage as well. Uh, so that's, that's kind of fun to watch, but it's really cool too because – uh, they got Lorenzo uh, in, in, as part of this piece as well. And both Dana and Lorenzo, it's kind of cool to hear them say, um, that, like, look, at that time, I'm not going to lie, like, we were 
we were the tiny company. Like Pride was the big company. Because I remember at the time yeah. them posturing and positioning themselves as, hey, because fans, you know, fans back in the day, we used to say, oh, man, what if the UFC champ fought the Pride champ? And, you know, you'd have these forum debates about who would win between the two. And you were comparing the companies as equals, basically, you know. But Dana and Lorenzo were quick to say, Nah, man. We yeah, were like we were, we, we were tiny, dude. They were yeah. big, so it was kind of cool to hear them say that. That one's good. And there's another good one um, that I thought was really cool. It's uh, some behind the scenes stuff of the event UFC 12, where the UFC got booted out of Buffalo, New York, and overnight had to fly everybody to Dothan, Alabama, uh, to to save the show on one day's notice. And they actually like found the stage manager who was running the venue in Alabama who like had to call in 50 crew members overnight to come up with a show that was booked last minute and they flew in uh they were telling stories of like basically the 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 plane that they had chartered to get them from New York to Alabama was overweight and they're 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 kicking luggage like the fighters luggage off the plane just so they can get the damn thing underweight so that they could fly the plane so really good so it's been some cool stuff and they're releasing more all the way up until the actual 25th anniversary show in Denver but uh that stuff's cool man that's very cool just seeing that old stuff and and kind of remembering man there's part of you know, there's part of history that, you know, that at this point really does feel like it's history. It's not, yeah. we're not talking about something from two years ago. Or whatever. Yeah, that's really neat. Oh, that's cool. All right, uh, listen, uh, where to start, man? There's so much that happened this week, uh, but I guess the, the the best place to be would probably be the, the quote-unquote trade of Demetrius Johnson to Ben Askren. Uh, or for Ben Askren, as we say, from the UFC to one championship. Now, um, not actually trade. I think it's important to, to point that out. Um, basically, I think the way it's going to be structured, both guys' contracts will be terminated, uh, and then they'll sign with the opposing organization. Um, I have been told, I should say, that it's it's not done yet, at least as of this time that we're sitting down to record, as we always do on Thursday night, that it's not done yet. Um, but all signs are pointing that direction. Everybody's definitely looking to move in that direction. And it has been in the works for quite some time. This is a discussion that's been going on. So this is not something that just kind of developed this week and may get shot down. It seems like everybody's moving in this direction. But um, I definitely want to get your thoughts about it and discuss it a little bit. But first, I, I had to play this because as soon as all this came to light, um, you know, we had been talking about it. If you're a Roadshow listener, you know. I mean, we had been talking about the fact that, look, Demetrius is gone, man. He's yeah. he's leaving. And, and I don't know exactly how it's going to go down or what's going or on. when, but it will. But it's <laughs> happening. Uh, but as soon as it, it, it became more realistic and it became, you know, from I'm hearing it's happening to it's inevitable, this clip came to mind. I had to pull this up. This is from UFC 227. That was a, a rough week for us, I'm going to be honest. I don't even remember – what we talked about fight week that uh, on the show because of course that was the week that uh, our staffing changed. We'll oh, just put yeah, it that yeah. way. You know that was that was the time. Yeah, that was kind of a haze. That was yeah. A, that was, that was a, a rough week for us, man. Um, you know when when uh, Mr. Dan stopped uh, and, and everything happened. So uh, yeah, that was rough. So I don't even remember if we talked about this at the time, but I wanted to play this little clip from Demetrius Johnson's scrum because this was the open workout scrum. And you'll hear uh, our friends Aaron Bronstetter and Danny Austin ask a couple of questions. Aaron asks him basically if there's other people that he wants to fight. Danny Austin follows that up where he asks specifically, you know, Horiguchi, is that somebody you want to talk? And then uh, Demetrius Johnson starts talking about, you know what really interests me? I'd really like to go collect some belts from around the world. And the first promotion he names, coincidentally enough, is one championship. Here's Demetrius Johnson. 
there anyone you haven't faced that you want to face? Uh, I want to I want to fight all the guys in my division. You know, we got new guys coming up. You know, Sergio Pesso good his last fight. Uh, you got um, Shorty Torres. He's in here now. Um, shoot, Kyojo Horiguchi's in Rising, tearing things up. Um, so that's there's there's lots of guys out there. But for me, I'm just focused on going one fight at a time. Do you want Horiguchi back? I mean, that was, that was if, if if I would no, because he's making he's making good money from what I hear in Rising. So, but like if I was to like go out and collect all the belts, now that's something that's like okay, I've proven that I'm the best to go. If I was to go to one championship. Win the flyweight division there. Go to Ryzen. Win the flyweight division there, and then go like the Bellator and fight at 35, 25. Win the belt there. Now I'm like, okay, now this, now this speaks, this speaks volume. I don't think that's happening, but do you think you? Well, I know, I know, I know, but <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, could you tell Dana, like, go get that guy and bring him to me? Go no, get because, that guy and bring him to it, me. No, because it wouldn't be that, you know, it wouldn't be that different belt. Like, right. In consideration I have 11 consecutive title defenses. Like, they all look exactly the same. So for me to have every unique looking belt around the world. That's what gets me excited. If you really want to know, that's where it's like you have my you, you have me interested now. All right, so Demetrius Johnson, of course, my epic fail there at the end of saying, "Well, that's not going to happen," <laughs> <laughs> and now it's happening. Uh, well, could be. <laughs> now it's happening. I will say, uh, by the way, behind the scenes production note: as that clip played, Cold Coffee did indeed go check the door for his package, and I won't say what arrived. <laughs> But I will say he immediately smoked it. <laughs> All right. Now, listen, uh, we told you, if, you say, if you're a Roadshow listener, we told you, you know, it, hearing that Demetrius is, is pretty much gone. Um, but now that it's a reality, man, it feels weird to me. Did it catch you by surprise? I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't say catch you by surprise because we talked about it. But now that it's actually, at least it seems, very firmly, very close to happening, does it? Feel weird to you or feel a little shocking? I mean, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess it doesn't in the sense of, uh, I guess the only part that was felt a little shocking was like, I figured he would leave. I figured he would go. But the fact of the UFC sort of doing it themselves and right. like, you know, creating this whole trade thing, which I guess is in the contracts as we've seen or whatever, but I've never thought that there would happen where an organization would trade a fighter to another organization. In the NFL, you see teams trade, mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, and those are competitors. So I guess it, there is the, you know, the similarities here where you're having two competitors trade the commodities, trading the athletes between the two. But the fact that these are two, uh, two champs, right. you know, I mean, granted, you know, DJ isn't the, the current champ, but these are two champ level fighters that they are talking about switching between the two organizations. And while we, I was confident and did believe that we DJ would go elsewhere for greener pastures. Um, I just didn't see it like this. Yeah. I didn't see an organ, the, the UFC trying to make the moves for him. I agree. You know? and, and I think that's probably why I struggled to put the pieces together. You know, remember when we talked about, it, I said, listen, this is what I'm hearing, but I don't have confirmation. And, and I, I think they're getting rid of the division. And it was just because the things I was hearing was like, Hey, you know, there's a little more to this. There's a little, so, you know, I'm like, I don't get it, you know, and this is such a unique thing. So a couple of things I take, number one, is that I, I think um, they're going to be very careful to make sure that, because you're right, we've, we've seen the language in the contracts, right? But I don't think that they're going to make this, they don't want it to be deemed a straight-up trade. Because if yeah. so, I think fighters right away are going are gonna to move to get that taken out of their contracts. Because... They want to stay there. They want to stay there. And, here, and here's what I think is important to note, because I don't think this is going to continue to happen. I don't think this is – because a lot of people are saying, oh, my gosh, now we can do trades in MMA. Oh, my gosh, this is going to change the game. 
I don't think that's the case here. I, I don't think we're going to see more of this. What you have right now is two fighters who really want to leave, who really are, want to change the situation that they're in and are happy to do it, and the promotions are figuring out a way to do it. I just can't see your average fighter um, – you know, signing a contract with the UFC and then being satisfied when he's told the next day, oh, by the way, we just traded you and your next fight is in Myanmar. You know, like, yeah. wait, what? Like, what are you talking about? No, that's not what I wanted to do. So I don't think that this is going to become the norm or even going to become more frequent. I think this is going to be very much kind of a one-off situation. And I, yeah. don't, I don't believe, in my heart, I don't believe it's signaling the beginning of a new era. Yeah. And I think the UFC and one are both going to be very careful. to, And I think maybe that is part of the reason there's a delay or what have you is there's they've got to be careful how this is handled. It's got to be the contracts are terminated, they leave and go sign with the other promotion. Yeah. You know? And it, and you raise a good point too when you say like Myanmar, this it's different, you know, the fact that one championship operates primarily elsewhere in a whole other side of the world, you know. So it's not like they're trading to a direct competitor that is going to be butting up possibly against them here in the states, right. you know. So I could see where the likelihood of this one happening, whereas, you know, you're not going to rush to see a Bellator to UFC trade probably no, happening no. anytime soon. Doesn't mean it can't happen, you know, but I just don't see the likelihood of that as opposed to this particular set of, you know, organizations, how this one's much more likely to happen than dealing, than dealing with somebody that's a direct competitor here in the States. Right, because they're fighting them. in a completely different market geographically, com completely different time, time zone. Like, you yeah. know, it's totally different, so you're not going to go up so. against it. I will say, though, as kind of unique as this is, I think it's a good fit for everybody involved, man. I really I do. So I think, you know, Demetrius Johnson, blame it on the UFC if you want. I see that you know, train of thought. Some people say it's the UFC's fault they didn't know how to promote him properly. I see the other side that, hey, man, the UFC put him on Fox. The UFC put him on pay-per-view. The UFC did everything yeah. they could, and people just didn't tune in. So it's Demetrius's fault. You know, so put the blame wherever you want. I think Demetrius to one is, is a good fit. You know, we've been over there. We've seen the Asian markets. It's different over there, man. It's it's different over there in the way that fans act, yep. the way media acts, yep. what they expect. I think the Asian martial arts fan really does just appreciate skill and technique and 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 the type of guy that he yep. is. You know, I don't think Demetrius loves doing media. I know I know he definitely doesn't, you know, feel the need to talk shit and try to, you know, market fights and that seems to be what sells right now. Um, and if he can go over there and get paid, and let's be honest, fight easier competition. No disrespect to anybody over there, but you know the best flyweights in the world right now are in the UFC. I think he'll be able to fight lesser competition. If he can go over there and support his family and, and, and get paid and maybe be a little bit more appreciated by the audience, I don't think that's such a bad thing. I think it's a good fit yeah, for him over there. I think so, too. I mean, and let's be real. Besides the, the last fight where he lost, he beat him before. Mm -hmm. DJ had ran through everybody. He had went through the competition. A lot of people were saying, all right, you need to go up. You need to change your weight class. You know, And all that was done or with the idea of introducing him to a whole new set of fighters, mm -hmm. a whole new skill set of right. fighters. This is doing that same sort of thing. And the fact that Great point. you're right, I think a lot of the guys, too, when you look at a lot of the one championship fighters, they're, they're, they're these smaller fighters. They're the faster, dynamic guys that you see. And I think he would make an immediate impact. And plus, some of the areas that they go, I mean, I think DJ, just his personality, I mean, he, he's a gamer, he, you know, he, he does all his things. I could see him and his personality doing really, really well in a lot of these places. I agree. So, I mean, I think it sounds great. I think it's a win. I mean, I think 
he could become maybe just the fact of the, the different market that one championship deals with. Maybe that's what's missing. Maybe it wasn't the way that UFC was promoting or whatever. Just we here in the States have so much other shit going on that, you know, it's hard to, you know, put so much, uh, you know, maybe he just didn't stand out because there's so much great shit. But him going over there, you could take a hand, you could take a lot of UFC fighters and I think introduce them into one championship and would probably be big stars yep. just in the, in terms of their personality, the, the, their, their, their outside lives, their personal lives, what they do. I think that stuff is very interesting. It would probably be very interesting in the Asian market. So I think taking DJ, he's a gamer, he's fast. He's a, he's a proven champion. I think they're going to absolutely adore him and love him. And he's got a great personality. He does I mean, have like, a great personality. I will say this. You know, I'm a big DJ fan, man. I, I love Mighty Mouse. I, I, I love, you know, his skills. I love watching him fight. Uh, still one of the greatest submissions of all time in, in UFC yeah. history, you know, a year ago. It was incredible. Um, I will say, I do think he didn't do himself any favors. I think he started to let it show at the end. But, you know, for the longest that he time. Was over it? Well, no, the or personality. Was, Remember the uh, personality he would show off camera yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, versus yeah, yeah, the yeah. personality he would show on camera? And I think the personality off camera started to bleed through a little bit at the end. But I will say this. I mean, did the UFC not market him properly? I don't know. Maybe, you know. Could he have done better as well? I think I think so. You know, I think I think that personality that he has off camera, where he is a little more casual, he's not quite so buttoned up and refined. He'll drop a few f bombs here and there, and kind of. I mean, not that you got to cuss to be cool or whatever, but it's right. just he just feels more relaxed and and kind of more natural. I think if he had allowed that to show through from the beginning, maybe people would have resonated with them, uh, or he would have resonated with people a little bit better. Um, but but I don't know. I yeah. I, I mean, I, mean, I, I can get see it. that. I can see that. I think you know. If more of the personality came out, but also too, there's times when DJ did show up more, even towards the end. There were a couple of times where it just felt a little forced as well, and I think it's because it felt like he was trying to really push it out there. Like, see, right. guys, I can play this too, and it just felt, you know, you're right. When when the camera would turn off, you would see a little bit more of that because he let the guard down. I think he's such the professional when it came to what the appearance he wanted going so into it. He didn't want to ever talk shit. He always wanted to be about his fight. He was always the guy that was like, I'm never happy with how I am. I always got to kind of keep working. He was very business-like, go, go, go. And so that whole, like, salesman side of it didn't really resonate with what his personality, True. what got him to where it was. So True. I think he never wanted to, to really do that. And I think towards the end, I think he realized, well, fuck it, nothing's working. Obviously, just going out there and being an absolute monster – to coin a phrase that maybe has never been used before in <laughs> MMA. Uh, you know, he just decided, like, I need – maybe I'm just going to try, you know, because I think he was probably getting to his wits end. Like, you know, obviously I see the end of the tunnel for me as well. You know, I want to make the money I want to make in my career. True. And if it's not just coming by me being a great martial artist, like, look at G GSP. GSP never went out and talked bad shit, you know, and is well, regarded as superstar. is regarded as one of the, the best that ever was. And I think that is a wonderful model for people as martial artists and as just as a people to try to go out there and, you know, if you wanted to put a, a good face forward, that's a good idea. I mean, not saying that GSP is an angel, you know, I'm sure he's done things in his past that aren't great, but at least as for going out and trying to embrace the whole martial arts side that less violent, the less sort of cringy aspects right. of MMA, you know, he did a great job, and I think DJ did a good job of that. There, there were just times towards the end where it felt like he was coming out of his shell, and it was cool because it was like, oh, yeah, when the camera gets off, yeah, he lets his guard down and right. he kind of gets loose. So we were seeing a little bit more of that. But, yeah, there were times it kind of felt 
for me at least personally, I was just like, ah, you know, like he's going a little too far. I can just see a little. He, he had like a little chip on his shoulder or something. He was yeah, a little standoffish. Like, you know, it'd be because a lot of times he might be when the camera's off, you know, and he'll say a little one line or a zinger where you're like, ah, there you are, DJ. Right. But then when you get into an interview, then you, you'd hear that zinger, but then he'd want to follow up with another one yeah. and then come back at another one. It's yeah. like, whoa, okay, slow your roll. This is, a little, this is a little much at first, you know, but. As for this move and this going forward, um, I don't think, you know, like you said, I don't think anybody's to blame as for, you know, why he never got to be as big or whatever. I, if anything, blame more us as viewers and maybe what we were expecting that it didn't resonate with a lot of people more so. You know, us always wanting wanting the big knockouts, wanting the big whatever. You know, I think it's gotten a point now where even people appreciate the way that Khabib is able to dominate where mm – -hmm. You know, a couple years past, some people were like, oh, God, that's so boring. Remember, there was a point where people, everybody was hating on Damian Maya's, you know, the way he would do it. But then I think recently, even as much as last year, people understood that, wow, I can't fault the guy for just being so dominant being in what he does. One of the best does. ever at what he does. Yeah, you know, so. But as for this move, I'm very, very happy. If it does happen for DJ, because uh, – He's done his time. He's done his work, you know, and, you know, he's got a family support. So if he can get what he wants and to stay enthused and stay excited, I think we all want those days at work where it's exciting again, you know, where yep. it's like it's not just the norm, you know, and especially for these fighters that are going out and grinding so hard in the gym. I can barely get my ass into my garage to work out in the gym, let alone these guys that are pushing and gals that are pushing themselves so hard to stay at at peak physical form and to do this over and over and then maybe not feel that they're getting the money or the recognition that they should from the their their work and from their organization so the fact that there's something like this open and he's excited about it I'm all for it got to be happy for him. and Askren's one of the guys that people have been talking about for so long well you know, it's as for what the, it would be. It's you know. quite the opposite of, of the DJ effect, the Askren effect coming the other way. And I can yeah. tell you just in looking at the numbers right now. Now, of course, it's still very fresh. Yeah. And Askren is definitely on a rampage right now on social media. But, dude, he's clicking, man. People, yeah. people are getting into it. And he's not even like he's rampaging. He's not even really – he's just <laughs> like – it's so funny how many people are coming out of the woodworks to jump on him and just, you know, blah, 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 hill, hillbilly. Or, or, or did he say the hillbilly – to, to Darren Till. I can't remember who called who a hillbilly. But the fact that they're just like everybody in the woodwork is jumping out on him. And I'm like, Ben didn't really even say anything. I was like, <laughs> where is all this hate coming? Like, I don't remember, you know, Ben doing all these, uh, you know, interviews after one championship victories where he's just like, you know, I just want to thank everyone for this victory and screw all you fucking UFC guys who think you're the shit. <laughs> Eat, eat my asshole. You know, you suck. Ow, you know, like, ow. he's not saying that, but that's what it feels like because these guys a, are. That was a strong package at the door <laughs> earlier, sir. <laughs> eat my asshole. <laughs> no it no is funny. syrup for you. It is funny, man. He's kind of, he's triggering people, right? He's, Dude, it's, it's hilarious. Like, it's so funny that he's, like, such a galvanizing force that right now, like, you have all these guys that normally would be chirping at each other. They have a, a solid target that now everybody's chirping for that one, you know. So they're like this united front of, no, screw them, screw you, who are you? And he's got to be sitting back. Ben Askren's got to be sitting back just rubbing his rubbing hands his together. Hands. Oh, thank it. you. Look at these opportunities. They are making it You're happen. all making this so easy for me. They You're are literally so going to make easy. it happen. You know, because if, if there were any money, if there were any ideas 
or any worries of okay is if money has to change hands to make this happen and if it leads heavier in one one particular organization's favor this is the kind of stuff that will make it back yeah. like if they're if UFC is going to have to pay more we're in this particular deal because I imagine it's not just going to be like, okay, you take DJ, we'll take Ben. Yeah. All right, thank you very much. You know, it's not going to be that way. If I had to, if I had to make a pick, it's going to lean heavier in one championship's favor when they're what they're going to have to pay a premium to get Ben for in return for what they're getting for DJ. But the fact that they can already look and say, oh my goodness, look at these fights that are already selling themselves. They're already doing all the work on social media. It's it, it it's a win win completely. It's awesome. It's incredible. Here's what I'm. I think Ben's going to be a success in the UFC, no question about it. Both marketing wise and fight wise. I mean, he's a great fighter. Here's what I'm anxious to see because if this all does go down as we expect it to, Demetrius Johnson and Eddie Alvarez both going to one championship in very short order is impressive from them. But you know, it does mean waking up at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning to, to to watch it. You know, waking up early. I mean, I guess. You know, I guess you can always watch stuff on demand or whatever, but if you want to yeah. watch the fight, you know. So much funner watching it when it happens. It is. got to watch it live, man, versus watching, you know, whole, hoping there's no spoilers. That's These it. days it's almost Twitter's impossible. Twitter. As it's much impossible. as you guys and as much as anybody has, like, their Twitter, like, notifying when people, certain yeah. people say anything, you can't get anything by it. You literally you know? have to keep your phone away from you. If you have to not pay attention to it. it. At all. But That's then the it's, only way. it's you're watching a fight, and, it bzz, and you're like, oh, fuck, what's about <laughs> to happen? That's the worst. That's the worst. You know, and I'm like, I'll watch Fight Pass, and I'll hear my phone go. Bzz. I'm like, oh, there's usually like a couple minutes or more delay. <laughs> I was like, here, oh, there it is. Oh, yeah, this, the spinning wheel knockout. Yeah, didn't see that one coming. It's going to be rough. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just anxious to see what it does for their viewership. I mean, Look, we've seen some of the reports. Bloody Elbow got you know a hold of some of their yeah. financials, and you know we had talked about it before. You know that we had heard that things weren't quite as rosy as they like to paint the picture. But at the same time, I mean they are doing a lot of events and they are in a lot of places, and they did just bring in a lot of investment capital. So I guess yeah. you know what, kudos to one championship. You know I, I don't know that it necessarily you know is indicative of whether they'll be successful or not. But hey, man, if you're gonna get some capital. You got to take a swing, right? I mean, and they're yep. coming out. They're taking a swing, man. This is uh, this is some nice moves. It is, and good for them. Good for them. Another player on the market's good for everybody. I agree. I agree. I mean, look at every, look at these guys. I mean, just throwing money on Dazones, throwing mad money around. Yes. Ones throwing money around. You know, they just they just all better thank Trump because him and his tax cuts made this happen. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure everybody's rushing to thank Trump. <laughs> uh, all right, well, so that's that was definitely big news. The other big news this week, of course, was um, the Connor and Habib uh, hearings basically got underway. Yeah. Uh, we attended the first Nevada State <laughs> Athletic Commission hearing. Um, we knew it's going so in funny. it wasn't going to be a big newsworthy thing. And then well, nothing was going to happen. It's funny because Ratner, Mark Ratner, uh, who was, ha- led the, the Nevada Commission for many years and is like the the UFC's point man when it comes to all that stuff, he came in and I was sitting there talking with him and he's just chuckling. He's like, they all know nothing's going to happen today, right? Because <laughs> there's a ton of cameras in just, there. This is like a formality because there were more cameras there than I've ever seen on anything. When we were, were there, for, when we were there for, well, granted, when we were there for like Silva and Nick, uh, those have probably been the biggest UFC. But the UFC, three of the cameras there were UFC that cameras because they, they used fight, to do the fight past pass, it. right? Um, but this had, I saw CW, yep. Las Vegas, Fox Five, like CW. Seriously? They're the ones that have like the damn vampire shows and like <laughs> They saw if, the dancing frog? Maybe. <laughs> I, if, if Sabrina the Teenage Witch was still on TV, that's the station it would be on and they're here covering it. That's that just goes to show when it comes to 
Conor McGregor, and I don't want to even just say when it comes to Khabib, let's be real. This was because it was Conor McGregor that all these guys yep. uh, wanted to come. Yep. You know, now in the future and as going forward, you know, maybe because of Nurmi, they will be there. But right now, it was because of the interest that he, because every organization in town's like, oh, wait, where's Connor? Oh, the Connor thing's yeah. going on? Oh, we got to be there, you know? And, uh, and, and, uh, to open up more about what we went to, we go to these meetings often. This was the first one where we all got searched before we went into the building. I wanted to get into that. Yeah, that's crazy. That has never happened so before. So check this out. So we show up, and you're right. Uh, first of all, we go in. You know, it's just a government building. The place where they do this, it's it's called the Grant Sawyer Office Building. Um, it's just north of downtown. Federal building. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, while you're talking, I'll look to see what other stuff is maybe in Yeah, there. so it's just kind of a, a government building, and you, you walk in, and, you know, you just get on the elevator. and the, the, the Every now and then they'll have it in a different room, but for the most part it's always in this one one room um and so you know we we go up and we just walk in and yeah they they ask you to sign in but it's open to the public so you really i don't think you're necessarily required to even sign in with anybody but they do have a sheet they ask you hey mm -hmm. if you don't mind will you kind of write down in the past so can, they've kind of i remember we've been at a couple where they did but most times the, the it's just kind of there people, you can sign in if you want and that's just like a community meeting like right. if you went there they want to have meetings just like they record the meeting so they try to keep track of yeah who's there well, they used do, to push do, it but this one whatever yeah. so this time we show up and there's there's police officers and so we get out of the elevator and right away they're like sir meeting starts at uh 8 we're, we're gonna have to hold you here now you, you know the junkie wave you and me we get we always get there early we're you know we try to make sure we have our, our camera position that we want and have time to set up double check your gear make sure everything's working you're not scrambling um but they're like no nope, you're gonna have to wait right here so they hold us until 8 45 uh the meeting actually started at nine but that's when they said the doors were gonna open so okay well no no problem we'll do that and then we walk around at 8 45 and when we get there uh, yeah, they, they, the first thing they do is they ask to wand me, and I'm like, and, and I don't mean Vanderlei Silva me. They actually had to uh, security wand me, uh, and I was like, all right, no problem. So they they wand me, and then I and then I I walk in the door, and I wasn't really paying attention at the time. They were checking your bags, and I had a I had a briefcase with me. I didn't have my full gear with me like I do on the road. I just had my you know uh, computer and camera with me, and as I walked in the room, they they stopped me, and they were almost like agitated that like sir did you get your bag checked and yeah. i'm like no i did not get my bag checked i had no idea so uh they were like yeah, yeah you gotta get your bag checked i'm like dude i've been here a hundred times you know like yeah. i've never had my bag checked and the dude straight up was like well this is time number 101 and today you will and i was like okay it's yeah. gonna be that kind of day i was like all right Passive-aggressive Morgan almost came out, you know what I mean? But I was like, you know what, man? It's too early in the morning for passive-aggressive Morgan. It's too early for Pam to show up. So uh, so I, I had my bag checked. Um, but it was funny because, you know, didn't want to make the assumption that it was because it was Connor and Habib, right? You know, I mean, things change sometimes. Like, for instance, when they had the – this is a perfect example of why you can't make assumptions – the Connor and Habib press conference at the Park Theater it was the open workouts. You remember as we were in line – we were finding out that they were taking flags from people. Yep. And the immediate assumption was, oh, wow, the UFC is making sure that they don't have flags because, you know, if you have the nationalists between the Russian and the Irish, it's going to get nasty in here. That would be the easy assumption. We actually asked people later, turns out that's actually 
uh, a park theater rule that they don't allow anything past a certain size. I think it's like two by three or whatever because they don't want people holding up big banners and blocking other people's sight lines. So that's a venue rule for no matter what the artist or no matter what's playing. So uh, same thing here. I, I thought it was for Connor and Habib, but I didn't want to assume, right? Um, so I, I asked somebody, and I was like, hey, so is this like is this because it's a Connor thing? And, and I was like, nope, just standard operating procedure, uh, you know, thing, things in the government these days. And I was like, Okay, I guess, <laughs> but I but I did I found out later. Uh, I was told, hey, listen, just FYI, um, be ready for a similar situation in December, um, just so you know, so you can have a heads up. Like it's going to be that way again. The athletic commission has been receiving threats. Oh the really? Scenes. Yeah, the athletic commission has been receiving threats behind the scenes. Wow. Because, because everything's unfolded. So, uh, yeah, big 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 security. Yeah. Big well, security and thing. and that even outside of that, I was just thinking the fact that. Part of these commission hearings, too, there is public comment sections. Right. And that is uh, open to the public. So anybody can walk in there and say whatever. So I don't know if they were just assuming that somebody was going to come in and say, screw you guys, how dare you suspend Conor McGregor? You know, Khabib is the, the scourge of the earth or vice versa. Con you know, Conor is the terrible person. He threw a dolly. How dare you not take his money? You know. I was assuming they expected a large crowd of people to be there for mm. that. And you could do that in person or you could do it on the phone for these particular things. I couldn't really find much about that, but I mean, like the Department of Taxations in the building. So, I mean, Ooh. there's literally just boring other government stuff inside this right. building. But I had never seen that much security in that building no. ever, ever before. There's usually well, one or two officers maybe downstairs on the lobby floor because it's a pretty decent-sized lobby. Yeah. But that's about it. I mean, they had there more were, than that. There they, were like four or five, easy. Easy. There were like three at the door, yep. and then like two or three on the inside when yeah. the when the the hearing was happening. So, yeah, it was crazy. It was Pretty strange. Uh, be ready for December tenth. It's going to be nuts. Connor and Habib will both uh, be required to be there. We've talked to both camps. It if they want to like, fight in Nevada, they will. That's right. If they want to fight in Nevada, they will be there. Uh, that's going to be a, 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 a show for sure. There's no question. We were kind of joking, actually, with some friends behind the scenes. You know, what the hell is that going to be like with both of them in the same room? Like, they've got to, like, have them separate, right? I mean, they can't do them at the same time. They'd have to. Well, we were kind of joking. Like, can you imagine if they had Connor and Habib, like, sitting next to each other? Oh, like, that. Like, 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 <laughs> like two dudes in the principal's office, like two little kids in the principal's office. You know, they got their head down, and, you know, they're trying to be serious. So they don't get in trouble, but they're kind of, like, poking at each other. Like, you, it's your fault. Yeah. You did it. If there was a time to keep your shit together, that would be the time, you know. <laughs> that would be the time to be a professional. We'll see. You, you know what the bad news is? If they don't change anything, uh, that date, December 10th, is the day that we're supposed to fly to Honolulu. Oh really? So we're gonna have to change our flights. Yeah. Got to leave later. We should in the probably day. plan plan that right away. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to get in touch because I've already booked our flight. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to change that. Assuming I'm gonna check with them and make sure. Hey, is that December 10th date? Is that firm? Yeah. But that's what they have on the calendars right now. So. Uh, yeah, so that'll be interesting. We'll cover yeah. that, and then we'll Ooh. and then we'll jump on a plane and head to Hawaii. Uh, okay, so listen, I think a lot of people have seen uh, the hearing by now. Uh, a lot of people were streaming it live, but we had a couple conversations behind the scenes. So. Um, Basically, what I guess let me get your initial takeaway, or, or let me just say this. Um, you know, I, I, as we said, not a lot was done overall. The the uh, suspensions were extended until December 10th, or actually they were extended until everything is resolved. It's expected to be resolved on December 10th, so it's kind of an indefinite suspension at the time. Uh, $1 million was given back of the $2 million purse um, that Habib was given. We'll, we'll kind of weigh in on all that in a second, but uh, I think a lot of people have probably seen 
the hearing since a lot of people were streaming it. But we had a couple quick conversations behind the scenes. Uh, first with Chairman Anthony Marnell, and uh, I just wanted to play a little bit of that uh, so you can hear uh, the conversation that I had. There was a group of reporters around as well, but some of the questions that I asked Anthony Marnell and uh, get his take. This is the chairman of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. He's the one that basically runs the meetings at this point. He's been uh, on the board for quite some time. At this point, uh, he's the one that kind of directs everything. And, and He and came up with the motion, too, which he doesn't know all the way, uh, a lot of times make the motion. He can't make the motion, but he recommended the motion that they did make. Right. And uh, and you're right. He was the one that recommended let's let's give a million dollars back. Here's much what voted I think for it. You know, for that's right. Part. So uh, anyway, after the meeting was over, we spoke with Anthony Marnell, and here's what he had to say. Chairman, uh, obviously you're you're collecting evidence at this point. The world has seen the video, right? So I wonder why the delay till December. I know I think a lot of people were hoping there would be some resolution today. Why why the delay till December? Uh, I want to deal with the whole scope. I think it's pretty easy to see what happened um, with Khabib and Connor. That kind of self-explanatory. As you know, we had a lot of other people that thought that they wanted to participate that night. Some of them are under the Nevada State Athletic Commission jurisdiction. Some of them are under the Metropolitan Police Department and the Clark County District Attorney jurisdiction. Uh, it's, it's very unprecedented to jump into a cage and start hitting a fighter when you're not a fighter uh, or in the contest itself. So a lot of that evidence and gathering that evidence and film that you are seeing uh, and the public is seeing is pretty obvious in and of itself, but there's a lot of film that we are reviewing that you are not seeing. You know, the entire T-Mobile arena, how certain people got in, how certain people got out, where certain people went, uh, if certain people are still in the country, if they're not. There's a lot going on that the public's probably not aware of. Uh, and my job is to make sure the full scope, uh, when all the complaints are filed, it's a full scope. And then we need to give the, we need to give the uh, defendants enough time uh, per statute and per law to hire representation, go through the complaint, you know, work that public process that needs to take place. Uh, I would have very much liked to have it done by November uh, on the November hearing, but it just didn't work out that way on timing. So I think, and if you look at past practice for us to go from an October 6th event, or sorry, 6th event, to a December hearing is lightning fast, especially with everything that we're dealing with here. Because um, it's not just a simple drug case, you know, and even those take longer. Chairman, you pointed out that had you had all the video available to you, you would have held Mr. McGregor's purse that night. Well, can you elaborate a little bit on kind of what, what you mean by that, what it was you saw that would have led you to that? Well, I, I think that Connor's obviously, uh, the action started with Habib, and Connor was reacting to the action. So, uh, understood. Uh, but he also was on top of the cage, and he initiated the first punch against somebody from Khabib's corner. He didn't have to do that. Uh, and thank God Chavez got him and pulled him back down in the cage, or this would have been a whole lot worse than it was for both of them and, and everything else who knows what would have happened. I'm really happy that we have, you know, an ex-defensive lineman from, from big-time football school that grabbed him, uh, or we would have had a lot more problems. So we just didn't have that footage at the time. Other fighters were also involved in the, in the, in the situation, in the brawl, some other fighters from the UFC. Are you guys going to take any, you know, any action against those guys as well? Anybody that was licensed by the US, by the Nevada State Athletic Commission that was involved will have action brought against them. So yes, Mr. McGregor has appeared before the commission before. Will that have any bearing on what happens in December, or is this viewed as kind of a an incident unto itself? Uh, no, I think that they're different issues. The commission may see it different, though. I'm just one of five, so uh, the commission may look at past practice uh, that. The, 
believe the biggest issues that Connor's had are really out of our jurisdiction. You know, the New York issue, as I'm assuming the one you're referring to, uh, that's not something that we can get involved with. You know, it's, it's, that's his issue there, um, but not his issue here. But he did have the issue here in Las Vegas as well with the, the press conference incident. Yep, 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 yep. Well, we'll get to all that. All right, so Anthony Marnell sharing his thoughts on it. Now, a couple things that I take out of the meeting itself, out of his comments. First of all, uh, I do think they're going to hold Connor accountable. You know, we've talked about where fault lies and all that, and I think people are still discussing it. I don't believe that Connor deserves much of a punishment here. He was wrong. He did jump on the cage. He was trying to jump out. Of course, he was kind of wrestled back in. He did throw some strikes, but I've made it clear. As much as I criticized Conor McGregor for the way he handled himself back in, in, in Brooklyn, as much as, as disappointed I was in the way he handled himself that night, when this whole thing unfolded, I just think when people start coming into the cage, man, they're free game. I mean, to me, that's self-defense at that point. You can do whatever the hell you want. So I don't think Conor deserves a lot of punishment here, but it does sound like they're going to at least try to get something out of him. And I did think it was interesting, too, that uh, Chairman Marnell said, listen, you know, one of the reasons we're waiting till December 1st, we've got to allow, you know, we've got to allow the teams to hire legal counsel if they want to, you know, to prepare a defense, all those things. But the other thing is we're still reviewing film. You know, they're collecting surveillance footage and, yeah. and all those things, which I will say one interesting note. I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but Ali Abdelaziz, uh, Habib's manager, who was kind of involved at the very end, um, he was watching from the locker room. He was in the back the whole time. He actually kind of ran out only when everything happened. And he was at the end was trying to Noah? calm down Habib. Wow. Just kidding. Wow. <laughs> That'd be a dick. Just throw that out there. I'm what a sorry. strong package that was delivered earlier. <laughs> just all inhibitions just released. <laughs> uh, but it does sound like something, you know, they're going to hold Connor accountable. Um, Which as is you good. said, I, I think he deserves they need, something. They need to try to show, or at least maintain a sense of sort of impartiality, whether or not they're fully. You know, I think can be, uh, you know, discussed and, and debated. But the fact that he did have some blame in it. But I agree with you. There was less blame, you know, but still. Yeah, I mean, um, well, he's definitely to blame for the buildup. I mean, he was the one that yeah. was, you know, he's the one that frustrated, you know, Connor to no yeah. end. There's no question. But even, Habib to even no aside, end. I don't know if we talked about it, but like the, when you, you're saying like the guy coming into the cage, the guy, the uh the guy, the only person I noticed that came from the outside in on that particular side was the guy that sucker punched him. The red shirt guy. The red shirt guy. Which is which is not a USC fighter, which is not Islam Makachev, who I think some people have thought red shirt guy is Islam uh, Makachev. It's not. Yeah. It's another guy, and I don't know his name. He's not a USC fighter. He's a, a member of the crew, basically, as, yeah. as it was told to me. He's a friend that's that's been around forever. I don't know if he's a professional fighter or not, but it was. Uh, you know, but that's not Islam Makachev, yeah. which is which is important. Cause Cause Islam, I think some people yeah. believe that. Yeah, Islam would have threw a proper punch. Like that was <laughs> the world's worst sucker punch ever. Uh, like he's like, I saw this little side fist thing where you stick your thumb out, and it really, really oh. hurts him. Um, but no, because the angle that I I had saw, and I. Can't, I guess maybe we didn't talk about. It, I can't remember, but the angle I saw of the of the the gentleman that Connor threw the punch at, and that he eventually tried to throw back at Connor, he had came through the cage and was going up and over the fence right. to get to the other side, and that's where Connor jumped on him, right. and that's where the the I could see where the commission's like, okay, this is Connor attacking this gentleman. So I I throw out the 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 at least part of the argument where someone was where some people are like, oh well, he's throwing against the guy because the guy was climbing into the cage. He was actually 
went through the cage and was climbing out and That's over right. the he cage. He was trying to climb out, and they got he was stuck to get in the same part. And basically. then got stopped because he got grabbed. Yeah. And then he and then that whole interaction with Connor came through. But but I mean, I Connor could have made it a whole lot worse, but he didn't. The fact that Khabib took it so much further and actually took it to where public was in danger by That's his action. That's the key. That is much more detrimental than what this whole situation. I so agree. if it, in terms of it could have gotten bad. who carried the, the worst blame of what could have happened and the potential, because I talked to Ratner about this. I said, well, um, you know, the fact that no public was injured and no, you know, people are making claims or whatever. That helps. Is it, does it help and is it better? And he was, he, and he brought back the fact of, but it was the possibility. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that the possibility of the claim, and that's what they're they going to look at. They have to send a message. They have they to, send, have a to message. send a message to make sure that people understand. Right. Listen, here's what I was told. To me, as far as suspension-wise, I think you suspend both guys six months. Now, we know that that means nothing. Neither guy was right. going to fight in six months anyway. I would I think suspend, you suspend six would, months. Well, then, then the only thing besides that is percentages. And okay. I could well, see what percentage change. I was going to get to the money next. I could, I could, I could easily right. see if, if, if they want to give Connor six I would weigh heavier on Khabib personally because the, his level of interaction and the people that he went, the fact that he left the the, uh, the cage, he left the playing surface, he went further. I would give him a year. and If you're going to wow. give Connor six months, I would give Khabib a year, and I would give him a heavier on the punishment of uh, okay. the monetary. That's interesting. So I, I thought six months each, a little slap on the wrist. But you are right. A message that's keeping does it, need to That's be keeping it fair. People that's need to understand. That's keeping it like they did the same amount. If you're, if you're doing it – because then it's only going the money. Because the money's almost the part where it's just like, yes, that does hurt him more. But if, you, if you've got to send a message to a guy, like if you're going to literally leave the boxing ring, if you're going to leave the cage and you're now endangering uh, – Public, right? It's got to be more than six months. I can't argue with that, to be honest, because that's the yeah. thing. I mean, that's what the we fact were... that indefinite could be on the table. Yeah, they, they said li- lifetime, lifetime, lifetime. Lifetime. I mean, like you got to put something that's going to make people think like that's not going to. You happen. didn't. No, 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 not at all. But you're that saying, would be ridiculous. Yeah. But you need to show if because if you're if that's like saying your scale, you, your punishments from zero to ten, ten being the lifetime ban. And if you want to give somebody halfway somewhere in the middle, that's a five. If you're going to give him, you know, maybe that's about what Connor was there. Like, all right, he was in the wrong. He did it. Let's give him a five. And if we say the five is six months, where does it go from there? Was was what we did an eight, you know? And, and then does that mean a year? Is that two years? If you know that the 10 is forever, that's a lot of years. There's a lot yeah. of length that could go in there. So, so if I it was mean, a year, would you strip him? If he uh, – well, you wouldn't. I wouldn't automatically do it, but if I would say. If you were say, UFC, would you strip him? I would say if he was a year, they would probably say the line of, "Well, let's see how things plan out." You know, I mean, yes, they would probably want to have a fight within a year's time, but if they know that if there's contender fights that they can happen and and they could draw it out, you might never even have to strip yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, you could do Ferguson in an interim title fight yeah, again. Yeah, there could be an interim, you know, and then give him a whatever. Look, I can't argue with you with it being a year. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I do believe a message needs to be sent. That's not okay. Okay, look. Nothing happened, thankfully. It, you know, in thankfully. Respect, nothing happened, but it could have gotten bad. Can you imagine, like, if people started picking up chairs or, you know what I mean? Like, it could have been dangerous. If, if it got to that point and somebody was really hurt, then you're going to have people calling for a lifetime ban. Right. We're lucky enough right now that nothing happened to the point where people need to ask for that. So we got some leeway, but they need to make a point so that the public is going to be like, okay. You're you're legit. You're a legit organization. You're really trying to you're police not just it, and it at the sucks. UFC's will. Yeah, and it sucks because we want to see Khabib fight. I don't want to see anybody have to lose their chance or whatever. But they got to say something. They got to do something. But but you figure even at a, a uh, even if it's a year, 
dating back now, it's almost been, how long has it been? Three weeks? Almost, it feels like it's almost a month now. <laughs> it's been a whole two and a half weeks. Two and, and a half weeks. <laughs> you know, so we only have 11 and 11 months and two weeks left on this possible suspension. That's not that well, long. by the time we get to December, that's true, we'll already be two months in. And if he's got another $4 million coming his way, according All to right, Marnell. So, so now let's talk about the money. So they initially held the $2 million check. Uh, they gave one million of it back on uh, on on at this meeting, and we should say that you know they said, and this or is at one least of the they're, they're telling the UFC, all right, you can send them yeah, the you money. Yeah, you can send now. them the money. <laughs> he hasn't got it yet. Yeah, it was funny. We actually heard them like making the arrangements afterwards, which is hilarious. Did but, you? Yeah, they were like, all right, we'll just wire it here. That, but anyway, that's cool. Uh, but it's funny. So they they gave a million back. Um, but you know, and and I should note too that by the way, if you didn't watch the meeting, Anthony Marnell said, "Listen, had we had all the video available that that we had, we would we would have kept you know the footage, so or kept, kept, kept Connor's kept, kept purse. Connor's purse as well." Yeah, um, that's yeah. strong. That is strong. So here's what okay, I think so you have a lot more people in an uproar too because oh, you would have been every off. every Connor fan that's just like you're the worst organization in the world. So they gave him a million back. Uh, Anthony Marnell in the meeting said, "I think he probably made around six million dollars." FYI. I've been told it's closer to ten. Really? That he probably made that Habib probably made ten million dollars for the fight. But I talked to somebody that I trust um, that has kind of knowledge of how things work behind the scenes. And I, I, so here was my guess. My guess was okay. They held two million. I think they'll ultimately go six months and two hundred thousand dollars. Not enough. For you. No. I was told by the person behind the scenes their estimation was more five hundred thousand dollars. That's better. That's closer to what I think. Yeah. I think a year and five hundred thousand probably is. Is probably pretty spot on. And a year of five hundred, a year and five hundred thousand of six million, isn't as bad. At Ten million. Is, I mean, if you think it's just two million, right. five hundred thousand, two million sounds pretty rough. Right. But it, if it's only twenty five percent, that's not really that bad when you think about it. Twenty five percent. They've done. They have worse. the. They have the right to hold a hundred. They the could bylaws take 100%. say a hundred. And if they if they only did that, uh, what is it? Two hundred fifty thousand. That's. Or five hundred thousand. I thought two hundred thousand. I thought ten percent. I could see. I could see twenty five percent. Yeah, five hundred thousand. If they're 25%. really trying to make, because they want to set a point that no one will ever try to leave the cage, the right. ring again, and and try to start a fight outside of the cage. When you think of it in that terms of what they're trying to, do, this is a precedent. When they're going back and they're trying to compare it to. Oh, remember when Tyson bit Hollyfield's ear? You know, or, I mean, yeah, I mean that's one of the most obscene things yeah. that's ever happened. In and that fight was sport. just between the two fighters in the ring. Right, had nothing to do with. I mean, shit got crazy afterwards. But I mean, like, this is literally a precedent-setting event right now. This is something that they'll always look back and say, "How did we treat this situation going forward?" So I think they have to set a strong message, and it sucks. But luckily, they. From what it sounded to me, they were talking about when she, when they were asked, uh, and Marnell said, when we're talking about punishment, are we talking about the full purse and the pay-per-view? But a guy got the, the what That's I got right. from the attorney general, she was saying it was about the purse that night. You're right. So they brought million. up, Anthony Marnell brought up, he said, listen, you know, can we touch the pay-per-view bonus? Because we all know, you know, it's, right. it's, it's basically they're saying, hey, listen, we're not going to pretend we don't know all this money because right. they're only given the fight night purses, right. but they know what's going on. Anthony Marnell did bring it up, and he said, listen, what about pay-per-view bonuses? What about everything else? And you're right. The attorney general said, listen, we probably could, but in the past when yeah, we've dealt with drugs, said, yeah. the precedent is we've only dealt with fight purse. night purses, so the right. published purses. Which is 
good in their favor. Yeah. However, that kind of works out. However, the fact that they don't work that pay per view points yeah. into their their well, original. That's why players. I always used to kind of laugh at not laugh at, but you know. So you remember the purses used to be small, and then between Brock and Connor, they started making the guarantees one million, two million, three yeah. million. You know, they wanted the guarantees. You know, and I, I have to believe. It was just so that it looked better on paper, so it made sure. them look more wealthy. And, I, and in my back of my head, I thought, no, like now you're yeah. opening that much more money up to – because That's what true. you can do is you can say, hey, my fight night purse is $500,000. My promotional agreement is $3 million. Right. You know what I mean? Like hey, that's what I get my promotional agreement for doing the media, for doing you know filming commercials, for doing the press. Right. You know what I mean? And then, the, but the only thing that gets published, I think that's what maybe people don't necessarily understand about the pay structure is there's a bout agreement, there's also a promotional agreement, and of course then there's the back end bonuses or whatever. Right. So you know that promotional agreement can be anything. But you're right. I always used to kind of think, man, why would you push for that? I know it looks nicer on paper. You get the headlines. It looks like, but yeah, it looks you're, like you're also opening that up for the for the for the commission the to commission. Take, a, take a peek at. So, all right, listen, we did get a chance to speak to Bob Bennett as well. Uh, he's the executive director. Uh, quick little conversation with him as well. Just wanted to get uh, his thoughts because, again, this was after the meeting was over and uh, we got him to weigh in on what, what he saw. Well, Bob, more of an administrative day than anything else, but can you talk to us about kind of what was accomplished and, and, and how you feel that the case moved forward today? I think everyone, everything moved forward accordingly as per uh, regulations. As a regulatory body, I, as, the, as the executive director, we can put somebody on, I can put somebody on temporary suspension for 10 days. Once that expires, we need the chairman and the commissioners to decide if they want to extend that suspension. And that's exactly what did take place today. And the second half of it was, as far as, as far as Habib's purse, we maintained $2 million. The chairman made it perfectly clear that we, we didn't maintain Connors because we didn't have the opportunity to see the film at that time. Had we done that, or been in a position to have seen that, we would have withheld his as well. So then at the second juncture in today's meeting was, well, the third item was what the chairman pointed out. Do we want to keep... The $2 million check that the UFC has for Habib, or do we want to give a portion of that back to him? And it was pretty evident that the chairman and the commissioners agreed to maintain 50%. And then there was some additional discussion as the legalities of maintaining his purse and possibly uh, fining not only the fighters, but the cornermen and the managers for uh, not taking uh, corrective action. For, for this not to happen. And just for the edification of everyone here, you should know that the Nevada State Athletic Commission made a concerted effort on two independent occasions to speak with both managers of both fighters and to tell them, listen, we don't want any problems during the ceremonial weigh-in and at the end of the fight. I specifically spoke with them. So we didn't want to be in a position that we're in today had they would have managed their fighters in a professional manner. Unfortunately, they didn't take heed to my uh, comments, and that's why we're here today. Do you echo the chairman's sentiment that you would have held Mr. McGregor's purse had you had all the video available to you at that time? No doubt. Unequivocally, we would have. Uh, it was very clear that uh, after Connor came to and he saw that there was a fight ensuing over in his camp, he clearly jumped over the attempted to jump out of the cage, the octagon, and thank God for one of our inspectors, Chavez Foger. He grabbed uh, uh, Connor by his, by his shorts with his left hand, locked in his right 
his, his leg with his right arm, and he prevented him from going over the, over the cage, which, thank God, he, w he was proactive, and he did take the necessary steps to bring Connor back into the cage, or we really would have had problems. We know we'll have resolution, hopefully, it seems, in December. I mean, the words lifetime ban were actually brought up today. I mean, what are we really looking at in terms of both these athletes? Do you have a recommendation at this time of, or, or at least an idea of what perhaps these gentlemen could be facing? No, I appreciate the question, and I'd be asking it, too, if I were you. But at this time, it would be premature for me to comment on, you know, the suspension and fines. But I can assure you that um, based on my investigative efforts to date, um, there'll be fines and suspensions depending upon how much time, you know, I, d I need to do some more investigate, more investigation. All right. So that was Bob Bennett. I think you could definitely hear the frustration in Bob's voice. And, and I think that's one reason, you know, they'll, they'll try to take a stand. Maybe a year is on the table, man, but you know, you could hear the frustration in Bob's voice kind of echoing what Dana had said about the fact that they had multiple meetings to try and, 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 and make sure these teams understood you know, not to uh, let anything like this happen and, you know, kind of putting the blame um, directly there uh, on on the managers, basically. And, uh, you know, Bob, of course, act, asked him directly, what are we really talking about? I mean, what realistically could we see in terms of suspension? He very fairly said, way too early for us to talk about it right now. But I'll tell you what, man, I was I was thinking Good six question. months. Yeah. Glad you A asked. A fair question. I would ask it, but I'm not going to answer it. <laughs> uh, no, you know, listen, I, I don't know, man. In my head, I thought six months – but, uh, bro, you're kind of talking me into thinking a year might be possible. It's got to be. I would – I would, and I can even see in a, in a bout of showmanship that uh, somebody makes the motion – somebody talks about two years and somebody will play, I think that's to too strong. I think that's too strong. I think if we put a year, we'll show because nobody got hurt. You know, let's have them go out and – talk to some of the, the kids and the, the community service. Let's have him do this. And if he's willing to go out and talk about this and anger and maybe even take an anger management class, I'd be willing to, to say a year. Uh, anger management Now class. that we've seen enough of these fucking, fucking things, I feel like we see huh. this bullshit that they kind of posture. Tell me that doesn't sound like a sitcom. Habib in an anger <laughs> management <laughs> class. <laughs> this is number one bullshit. This is number one bullshit. <laughs> uh... But I could I could see I could see that happening just because we've seen. But maybe that's just the the reminisce of like the Pat Lundell yeah, days. Yeah, she you know, was. Hey, she was. A, I mean, look, she, dude, was, she a was harsh, man. She was a prosecuting yeah. attorney, dude. She I mean, that was her day slam job. Slam it down, man. She, yep. But it's crazy when you look up there, and the the, the commission is so different. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things I did talk to uh, the Honorable Mark Ratner about was just the fact of the the changing faces. Like these are not elected people. No. These are these are people that are positioned, appointed. appointed, appointed by the governor. You know, so if you got some money, folks, and you want to change the way the commission is, donate to the governor and tell the governor you really have a passion for Nevada athletics, and see if you can't get on the commission. That's right. You, you can basically get yourself appointed <laughs> you to the board. You can basically probably buy your way onto the onto the board. But uh, yeah, it's just crazy. So it was interesting to see. But I can see some uh, of this sort of game and shit happening. Uh, just to make a point and just to throw the fear factor out there because they always start high and they always bring it down. Mm -hmm. You know, they talked about 100%. They were going to keep the whole thing. And they're like, all right, let's bring it down to 50. You know, if they just still go and say, I think it should be a year, they might just be like, oh, well, shit, I bet we can get them down, you know. So I could even uh, – now I feel like that should be my prediction right now is, is they'll give Connor six months and then it could be two years will be sh talked about. They'll shelve a year for – Going out and doing things will actually probably make both of them have to do community service for it. Um, 
but Khabib will have more community service and the fact that they'll, I bet they'll bring it down to a year. I'm almost I'm almost guaranteed. I'm almost be willing to throw a little wager on it to 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 bet. A uh, fine PBR to whoever. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a well, I know I can't say to whoever. There, to the thirteen of you listening to this, <laughs> yeah, I, I will wager. I will give no more than twelve. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll see how that all plays out. We'll definitely be there on December tenth. Uh, listen, should say real quickly if you like what you're hearing, and you should. I mean, come on, it's quality MMA conversation. <laughs> Do Dude. us a favor, take a second, log into iTunes. Uh, leave us a quick little rating if you can. If you can go even one step further than that, leave us a review as well. I always like the feedback as well that we get there. Appreciate it when it's positive. But, hey, if you got some constructive criticism, we'll listen to that as well. But take a second to kind of rate us and review us in iTunes. It'll help us out. And, of course, you know, spread the word. Spread the word. And if you want to be some of those fine folks that have went even further and have reached into the wallets and have supported us through Patreon, thank you very much. We almost, if we remembered right, we're going to uh, stream this again because oh. we want to get back in the habit of streaming these. We were going to stream for our Patreon folks. Yeah. Uh, we, have, we, have, we have not been good. Well, I, I We did it for like two times, then we, we completely forgot yes. about well, it. And I was going to do it today, but I had kind of a minor computer emergency that kind of caused me some issues. It's been kind of a scrambling last 24 hours or so. Yeah. But uh, Well, I think you've said as much in the past one that your your Mac, your computer, like your battery is screwed. Yeah, your my battery power just won't source was dying, and it basically finally died. I'm actually working on a backup now. This is my wife's computer. We were fortunate enough to have a backup. And yeah. the dude at the Apple Store was a huge MMA fan, which is cool, but he wasn't one of those guys that like, oh, you're John Morgan. Uh-huh. He was just a fight fan, and so he was like, oh. Which is crazy because you're wearing – well, not to, that, I wasn't then. I did that today because oh. I was filming for ESPN. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, you're yeah, in game yeah. blue. I know. I actually wore the you're, game you're, day this shirt. This is Sunday Morgan. I wore the this game day Sunday shirt. Tiger I, got the, Woods right I wore here. the Sunday Tiger for the uh, ESPN <laughs> shoot today. But no, the guy was just a, a huge MMA fan. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe not hardcore because he didn't, you know, didn't know me that he wasn't that hardcore. But he was a fight fan, so he asked what I, I, I did for a living. Cold coffee. Was. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I didn't drop. I don't want to drop names. Like, I don't want to be that guy. Like, have you ever heard of cold coffee? Like, I'm the guy that does stuff with him. Don't you know who my buddy is? <laughs> Uh, but no, he was cool. So we just started talking about fights, and he helped me out. And then we got this computer up and running for now, and they're going to fix my other one. So uh, yeah, but we want to start streaming again. We want to take some live questions. We want to we want to thank those that support us. So yeah, uh, it's it's a big deal for us. So yeah. we, we got to start working on that. We haven't. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm bad at, at saying, "Hey, man, please help us out." But I know it's something we yeah we need. But we appreciate the people that have you know because right now we it's it's kind of like you've been you've been helping to keep the lights on That's without right. us saying thank you for helping. I'd honestly keep the rather on. do that than some advertisers to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I it's I it's like, like our our friend advertisers, our ones that stick with. I'm not trying to turn down advertisers, but right. I like the ones that get on board. Right. You know, they're 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 diehard. They're 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 the fans. They're the ones that. Giving us more than the real That's the what's up. other fake But at the, at the minimum, <laughs> at least rate us and review us on yes. iTunes. I love reading the feedback. If you can jump on Patreon as well, find us at the MMA Roadshow. That would be phenomenal. We would love that as well. I did end up with a whole bunch of UFC 229 programs make, make send out to people. people what we should do, like if you're Patreon and you're in the town that we're at or the, in the town – Obviously, if you ever come to Vegas, let us know because, yeah, I'm the same. I have, like, some gear that uh, I have earmarked for a couple people um, that I want to give them. But it's like I can't ship some of this shit. It's just going to be crazy and bulky. But uh, we pick up shit from events, souvenirs and stuff, and and a lot of times uh, lanyards, extra lanyards and other little stuff that – yeah, we need to start hooking I don't know how up. Asian H is, but I know my wife is like, do you really need all this shit? No, she don't care. <laughs> but yeah, well, it does. Well, if you look at my 
broom. Yeah, I could use a little less clutter. <laughs> All right, the minute. Rate us and review us. <laughs> and if not, if you can go even a step further, go on Patreon and we're going to start doing – we're going to do better there. Yeah, we'll we do, better. do better there. All right, uh, real quick, want to talk about this weekend, UFC Fight Night 138. We, of course, are not there in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. Uh, as soon as I found out that American Airlines doesn't even fly there, I immediately scratched my name off the list for wanting to go. But – the young Mike Bond is up there handling business by himself. Vulcan Ozemir, Anthony Smith. I do like the main event. I do think it's going to be fireworks. Um, man, I, I guess I shouldn't even talk about fights. I mean, when we got the <laughs> MMA junkie leading pick winner, I mean. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I don't I mean, like to brag I mean, or anything. I, who cares about that Dan Tom analysis? I mean, Dan Tom's <laughs> in second place. He's writing He's writing stories about stuff. I mean, he overthinks not, it. He must be overthinking it. He's not putting the type it. of research that you're putting in on these picks. <laughs> I mean, you're you're grinding, man. You're, you're breaking down footage. Oh, man. You're, non, nonstop uh, in, in, the, in the tape room. I mean, nonstop anytime, in the tape room. Every, it seems like every time I come over to Casa de Coffee to record, you're like, bro. Bro, let me. You're interrupting my off. study session. Hold up, man. Uh, let me turn the fight off. Uh, did Hold you on. see? Did you see the way he moved from the B zone to the C zone with fluidity? <laughs> and I'm and like, he did that spinny move that ended with that <laughs> one thing in the jig. Talk to me though. Vulcan knows me versus Anthony Smith. Uh, I, I was torn on this one for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, Vulcan changed camps. I thought that was a little odd. Now I don't know if that had anything to do with his legal situation. I don't think so, but he, he moved up to Canada, which, I mean, going to TriStar is not a bad thing, uh, but I, I thought that was a little weird. I thought he was getting good, you know, good work down there in Florida. Yeah. Maybe he felt like he was in some kind of toxic environment or something and had to get out of there. I don't know. I mean, we, he did have the legal issues, um, but, you know, he is a legitimate light heavyweight. There's no question about that. Anthony Smith, the bulk of his work has been at middleweight, but I don't think he's not necessarily not a legitimate light heavyweight. I mean, he's just a, a big dude in much the same That's way. It. He's a big Yeah, dude. in much the same way that Conor McGregor – was a lightweight who just happened to be able to make 145. I feel like Anthony Smith is a light heavyweight that just happened to be able to make 185. But it is interesting because when you look at the body of work for Anthony Smith at, at 205, you're talking about beating, yes, two former champions, but two guys that you could probably argue are, you know, well, one was definitely at the end of his career and the other is yeah. very close as well. So. I don't know how to judge those 205 wins. You know, yes, they were quick. Yes, they were impressive. But, you know, are they against kind of shop-worn competition? I'm not sure. So I ended up going with Anthony Smith in this one. Yeah. Um, of course, I'm kind of an Anthony Smith homer. Uh, you know. That's that's kind of where it came down for me as well. And just I'm riding the, the Anthony Smith high right now. He's done so well lately, and he's just been – I wouldn't say shock in the word, but he's just been looking so on top of his game right now that um, it's it's like hopping on the bandwagon while it's hot, you know, right now. When you look at between the two of them, he just feels like his momentum is going so strong right now that it just feels like right. the right way. Uh, you know, of course, you know, Vulcan coming off of that loss to D.C., you know, still before that, you know, a, a KO of Jimmy Manuel, that's legit. A victory over Misha, that's a good one. I mean, like, and then a victory over OSP. I mean, those are all good shots. But I, just like you said, he is a large size, you know, middleweight. So, mm -hmm. I mean, light heavy looks like where he should have been yes. at. Um, 
but I could see where he would want to, you know, stay a little bit lean and go down and be the bigger, powerful guy. But if anything else, you know, he's maybe going to be able to shine and maybe carry a little bit more weight, maybe have a little bit more power than what he normally has. I've never really seen him to 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 wear out. I mean, I'm not worried about his cardio nah, in this particular fight either. Me um, I think so I think it's gonna be a short fight too. That's what I think, and I and I think when it comes to that, I think he'll be able to pull the trigger quicker than what Vulcan will. Um, but I, you know, this is MMA. We could be completely wrong, but I kind of homer too. I just I rode the, I rode the the wave and, and and the bandwagon of what Anthony Smith. So yeah, I just lean that between that too. So Michael Johnson versus Artem Lobov in the co-main. See, that's event. a good fight. That's too. a great fight. I tell you what, man. You know, it's interesting. You know, Artem Lobov. God bless him. Again, just to touch on it briefly. Of course, it was supposed to be Zubera Tukugov in this fight. Um, I am totally on board with them pulling that fight apart. You know, I, whether whatever they end up doing with Zubera, to me, it just didn't make sense to have those camps together this week in Moncton. You know, a small town, first time ever there, sleepy little tiny town where everybody's going to end up in the same places because there's nowhere else to go hang out. Um, I just don't think you needed, you know, the, those two camps together in the same place. So I'm totally on board with yeah. them pulling that fight apart. Artem did get to stay on the card. Uh, I know he told Mike Bond that uh, he, he picked Michael Johnson. They basically, you know, they offered him some names. Michael was the toughest opponent available that had volunteered, and he said, I want that one. And he asked him why, and he said, because that was the toughest one available. And God bless him. I like Artem, man. He, yep. catch, he catches a lot of shit um, because he is Connor's boy and because he's – dude, he, there's no arguing he's been given preferential treatment. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's gotten preferential treatment. But at the end of the day, he is a damn fighter who goes on to put on a show, and yep. I appreciate that. Shows and up. Michael Johnson, man – I love Michael Johnson as well. Crazy, because the record, I don't think, accurately reflects the talent that he brings to the table. Yeah. Um, he does make some mistakes from time to time. He does have mental lapses. There's no question about it. It's been shown to happen. But when he's on point and when he's executing, he is incredible. Um, I ended up picking Michael Johnson in this fight. Uh, but, you know, Mike is coming in on short notice. It, it is, you know, a bit of a weight cut for him to do on short notice. Uh, Artem is game. Um, I think it should be a fun fight. I, I did lean towards Mike, but I I, I, I like this. Fight. I like both guys. I, I know Artem gets shit on, like I said, but I, I actually like Artem. Yeah, and, and I w I'm with you there. I mean, uh, anytime when we've needed an interview from Artem, he's always showing up. He's always on time. He doesn't pull some crazy diva stuff. I mean, I remember uh, when it was the Connor Mayweather fight week. You know, Artem was available to that. Uh, was able to do interviews. I mean, he just he shows up during fight week. He's always been good um, in that aspect. When it comes to this fight, I just feel I lean toward Johnson as well. I think the speed is what's going to do it. I think that's if he does what we know Michael can do and work his speed, stay on the outside and pick his, pick his battles within that battle. Um, I think he's going to do well. The thing is, what catches him sometimes is. He overextends himself and he gets caught with something. Artem's the kind of guy that Artem could take some damage and is able to possibly pull, you know, a good strike out and catch Michael. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, that's going to be the problem that Michael needs to watch out. He needs to not be so overconfident that he's too much for Artem that he's going to go in thinking and not give the respect to Artem's power. I mean, nobody's out there really saying, like, oh, Artem's, he's the strongest. He's got this crazy knockout power. But what he does, he has a good chin. He has, he could take a punch, and he walks forward. And that's the kind of thing that we saw that happened with Justin Gagey when he, you know, it was just walk forward, and he caught Michael quite a bit times because Michael got to a point 
where the, the feet, he stopped moving as well as he did. And if he keeps moving, if he doesn't tire himself out and he doesn't take too much damage and he stays moving, I have Michael Johnson all day in this. But if Artem, if, if Michael gets tired and he starts taking some damages and stops moving side to side and wants to make this a straight-up one-on-one battle in the middle of the cage, that's probably going to not bode in his favor. And I could see Artem catching him with something. But all in all, I'm going to go with the fact that Michael's going to keep his head on his shoulder. He's had some incredible fights uh, recently, even though they haven't went his way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when I, when I saw these two immediately, my brain was jumping Michael Johnson. So yep. um, I'm thinking it's going to play out that way. But, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past that Artem's going to have his day. I mean, because he, he gets overlooked a lot of times. I think a lot of people want to just see him as being this guy that just follows along on Connor's coattails. But you got to understand this guy made it. Uh, to the UFC, you know, whether you want to say it was because of Connor or not, um, he's a legit guy in the UFC and he has skills. So Michael has to watch what he's doing. If Michael um, takes it for granted, his power and the fact that he can take a punch, yep. it's going to be a bad night for him. What did, what did Artem say? What is the one he gives? He who does not take risks does not drink champagne. Something right? like that. I love know, it, he man. has a couple. No, he's got some, he always, <laughs> choo he's choo got motherfucker. Choo choo motherfuckers in Poland was amazing, <laughs> dude. The Siberian Express. You cannot stop the Siberian uh, Express. Choo choo motherfuckers. That's it. He just comes like oh. a train, man. Comes like a train. You got to watch that oh, train, man. That was an amazing way in. Uh, Misha Serkinov, who uh, is now living in Las Vegas, I believe. I know he's training at Shrinko Tour, but I think he moved as well versus Patrick Cummins. Always love Patrick Cummins. That's a good fight. Newcomer Jonathan Martinez versus Andre Sukumtoth. Ed Herman versus Gian Vellante, a couple of grinding vets there. Alex Garcia versus Court McGee, uh, that rounds out your main card. So uh, I think you know some, you know not not huge names there that stand out to you, but I think you know a couple of very good fights in there. Um, checking the prelims, it's funny. Uh, it seems like every time we're at the Performance Institute, Sarah Morris is there. Yeah, she moved to Las Vegas too. I thought she was spending a hell of a lot of time at the Performance yeah. Institute. And uh, Mike Bond spoke with her this week. She's actually she does. She you lives know, in Las cake. Vegas now. So. <laughs> yeah, she's out there. Uh, Chris Fishgold. There's there's a couple of really good fights. Arjun Bueller, seeing him return. I like Arjun. That should be a good one right yeah. there. That's a good fight. I think that's got one of those fights that uh, is really gonna has the possibility of kind of lighting up uh, the early prelims. To me, I will say I'm, I'm pro- I, yeah. I think the early prelims, uh, both the both the fight pass and the and the uh, FS2 prelims should say FS2. Um, I think there's oh, a couple geez, of really yeah, good matches really on there. I didn't really even catch that. Yeah, FS2. Yeah, FS2. When you're looking for it, so that's USC Fight Night 138. Uh, like I said, Mike Bond is out there rolling solo in the Canadian. Uh, on the Canadian event, as we said, American Airlines doesn't fly there, so neither <laughs> one, neither one of us even bothered. <laughs> Moncton, Moncton is what as we were told to call it. Moncton. Uh, I did want to give a quick shout out to John Anik. Uh, we were able to break the news earlier this week that he signed a four-year contract extension. Uh, the, I think the guy's incredibly deserving, man. We've, yeah. we've, he's a friend of ours for sure. And uh, man, we've seen the work ethic behind the scenes, and, and we've seen uh, the passion that he has for it. Um, and, and dude, just one of the most professional buttoned up dudes that, that you'll ever meet, uh, was happy to, uh, was happy to hear that. And, uh, just, I'll share with you real quick. I mean, I wrote a story about it, but I figured I'd share just a, a real quick quote from him as, as we talked on the phone about kind of what he thought about, uh, this new extension. It's, it's very exciting for me to, to be able to be a part of this new era with ESPN. You know, I think as a lot of people know, that's where I sort of cut my teeth in television and radio and, that's where I really started covering mixed martial arts back in 2007 and 2008. So it sort of feels like we're coming full circle a little bit. And now 10 years later, uh, the UFC and ESPN have 
you know, the whole domestic package aligns. So it's a good time, you know, and I didn't make it a secret. I mean, this is where I wanted to be. You know, this has become the foremost passion in my life, you know, and I just couldn't imagine my life without the UFC being a big part of it. So um, I'm thankful that uh, that it got done and, you know, just excited to to continue to hit the ground running, you know. All right, so Anik, super happy to, to be in there. A couple other things from our conversation. Um, he's probably going to do about half the shows next year. We know for a fact that there's 42. That's the plan. He's going to do probably about half of them, including uh, he said he will do the first one on ESPN+. Plus. So when they make their debut, he'll be making the call there. Um, it, just the way he shared some scheduling insight. They try not to have the guys do, because obviously sometimes the USC goes on these runs, as they are right now, where it's just incredibly uh, you know, lengthy stretches. And they try not to have the guys do any more than three in a row is, is what the – the limit that they set it at because they figure at that point you're just fatigued from trying to learn too many oh, guys yeah, and watch sure. too much tape and that sort of thing. So he's probably going to do about half of them. I will say this, uh, the fact that, and, and he and I didn't talk about this, but just what I gather from it, the fact that he signed a four-year contract extension with the UFC and not a four-year deal with ESPN tells me that the UFC is definitely going to have a very uh, – uh, controlling role, I guess, in yeah. production. You know, they had talked about maybe being willing to That's give true. up production. Yeah. But I think the fact that he signed with the UFC tells me that they're still going to be very involved in production, which I think is a Makes good sense. thing. I think it's a good yeah. thing because I think the talent, uh, meaning the on-air talent, was going to pretty much shift over either way, right? I mean, yeah. especially the fighters that are analysts. I mean, why would ESPN not want Daniel Cormier, for instance? You know, why would they not want Dominic Cruz? I mean, you're talking about high-level fighters, recognizable stars, that are also very good at what they do. So I think the on-air talent was pretty much going to shift over. But, you know, I'm sure you probably saw it as much as I did behind the scenes. You know, the the, the regular production people, basically, that don't uh, necessarily get any glory. They were they were nervous, man. They have yeah. worried about how, how the shift was going to affect them because, you know, what does it mean? How does it impact their jobs? To me, I think this shows – I think the ESPN is going to allow the UFC to pretty much still do the shows, and I think those those people will all be – pretty good right i mean am i reading too much well, into that well you would think that it could go that way i mean they, the the fact that they do have a huge uh production arm themselves but they do use a lot of freelancers as well so the fact that if they can get a, a finished quality product without having to use any of their internal resources i think it's definitely a win for them right um but yeah using a talent especially when it comes to like a host or on-air talent you're right. I mean, like, the guys that are doing it right now are some of the best in the business, and let alone to try to bring in a new person uh, just because you have EF ESPN on-air talents, but to have them try to come in and learn the sport and to try to take it over, you know, could be very, very interesting, you know. Do we have Gus Johnson come over? No, and, let's not. You know, be like, <laughs> like, you know, just imagine, you know, if, if, if Gus Johnson trying to come in here, you know, and call a fight, you know, and trying to use their, their zingers, their one-liners, you know, it would just change the whole relationship to how watching a fight is. So I would think that they wouldn't want to mess with the product that became so popular that they were willing to want to buy. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, I right. See why them, do you buy something and immediately start changing? And then immediately, it? like, how do you, if it ain't broke, why fix? You know, fix it. Right. You know, so I can see them maybe trying to work some people in in some of the uh, sort of smaller ancillary positions. Like, you know, can you bring in a sideline reporter to do the backstage fluff interviews? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you sure can. Right. You know, so 
does it have to be a Megan or whoever, Karen Bryan or somebody that's been doing it for Fox or whatever? No, like I can see ESPN working something like that in mm. and just have somebody be yeah. there for that kind of thing. But as for the the play-by-play main position, um, if they have somebody either from the UFC or the UFC is already willing to say, hey, we have people in place, we're already shouldering the, the costs of these people, why wouldn't you say it? You know, unless they were just doing something – not up to snuff, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, if you're just killing it and there's like, why do they keep this person? Oh, well, this was Lorenzo's favorite person. That's why they hired them in the first place. You know, like that sort of stuff goes out the window, you know, but I could see him sticking with for the most part. But as for production people, you never know. I mean, if they're willing to send people around to follow, you know, Der- uh, Tito and Chuck for a fight that's, you know, two months out you know, it makes you wonder what kind of budget they have when it comes to people that will be able to shoot certain things and to do little fluff pieces, you know. I mean, I don't know. I don't think the production is completely out of uh, out of harm's way yet, but mm. I can think that maybe maybe they're not too worried about it because uh, – Here I was feeling all happy you know, for everybody. Well, I mean, for, I mean, it could be. I mean, ESPN has a huge budget, and the, the money they throw around, but at this point – on the UFC side, it's not like they're losing money that they need to cut staff. They can keep doing what they're doing. You know, it'd be one thing if the UFC uh, needed to operate at a less operating budget for Endeavor to to make some money back or whatever that they felt it was needed. But just for this deal alone, I don't see them needing to 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 reduce any, you know, uh, staff or particularly. But I don't see anybody in house really having to do too much. Yeah, for it, but they are taking a lot more stuff in house. You know, the embedded, you know, all the other little things that, that they're bringing in, so they cut costs and that sort of things. But you know, I don't know. I, I don't see that they need to make costs, but I don't see where, you know, it, that they're completely out of it because you never know. I tell you what, I'm anxious to see for 2019, and it, it has to do with production, but not. So how many years I, is the deal? Uh, five years. Yeah. That's a lot of time. Yeah. See, it, it might shake out a little bit. I mean, like what they expect and what they need. If they're expecting the UFC to give them a lot of content, then yeah, why 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 change your staffing needs? Right. But if you're only expected for a live event and maybe a couple other little things. Well, yeah. I mean, they won't need as much yeah. programming as FS1 needed. You know what I mean? They've especially they're inundated if, with if stuff. you don't have to like create a bunch of stuff for you know fight pass. I could see where fight pass stuff. Do you need to have a full staff for that? I'm anxious to see the new production facilities that they build next yeah. door to the corporate office, and I'm especially anxious to see the new tough gym. To be honest with you, to see, yeah, um, you know, kind of what they what they create over there. I need to go over the old tough gym. I'm gonna put that on my list. I wonder if they've they moved they're... out. See if they've gone yet. They said basically after the last filming, yeah. they were done. I bet they left the doors. I bet the doors are like the painted, the painted door, doors. The painted garage the doors. Logo. I wonder. Man, <laughs> history gone. Gone. Gonzo. Crazy. Uh, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to PFL. Their uh, playoffs did wrap up last weekend. I uh, watched those. Um, I, 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 do, I have enjoyed their entire format, I will say. I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again. I really want them to look at potentially changing the tiebreaker for the quarterfinals. That thing where you fight two rounds, and if you win the first round, you advance. I don't like it. I, I yeah. don't like it. We saw some fights. Uh, a couple of fights where guys just ended up stalling in the second round because they knew that they won the first. We had a situation where the first round was incredibly close, like 10-10 type territory, and the person that won the second round clearly won, 
but lost because they lost a razor-thin first round. I didn't like that. Um, I, I, I'm not bagging on the PFL because I think the intentions of it were good. If you're, if you're coming up with a system and paper, it makes sense. Let's reward the guy who starts faster because we're looking for the finish. But I think in practice, um, I like the concept of giving the guy that had the higher rank in the regular season – the tiebreaker if it's a tie 19-19 in the quarterfinals. So um, I, I hope that they'll that they'll go back and look at that. Because other than that, I've loved everything about the PFL. Mm-hmm. That little tiebreaker right there doesn't ruin it for me, but it just it just bothered me a little bit. So yeah. uh, didn't like that. Uh, all right, listen, I'm off tomorrow. I'm loving that. Uh, I was going to sleep in. That was my plan yeah. to just sleep. But yeah. tomorrow is Nevada Day. Which is, uh, oh yeah. So my kid has no school. Oh, so Nevada Day. What the hell is Nevada Day? Weird. Yes. By the way, I, I was gonna say that we had Columbus Day in yeah, but Ohio, but that was that kind was of more something Christopher else. Columbus. Yeah. It wasn't Columbus, <laughs> it was like, Ohio. It was Ohio just, Day. Yeah, Nevada Day is a legal holiday. According to uh, Wikipedia, by the way, Nevada Day is a legal holiday in the state of Nevada in the United States. It commemorates the state's October 31st, 1864 admission to the Union. So, by the way, our lovely state was admitted to the Union on Halloween, which makes all the sense in the world for the state uh, that houses (laughs) Las Vegas. Uh, the first known observance of Nevada Day was in the 1870s, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the Nevada legislature established it as a state holiday in 1933. So off tomorrow, but I will not be able to sleep in because my son does not sleep in. He wakes his ass up at 7 a.m. on the dot no matter how late we keep him up the night before, no matter how tired he is. So there will be no <laughs> sleeping in free. I will say, though. This is honest. Uh, this is honest. I will say I've done something I haven't done in a long time. I pre-ordered a video game that comes out tomorrow. Whoa. Red Dead Revolver oh, 2. Oh, yeah, good old Red Dead 2. I've never played any of the other Red Dead you series. The first one? I've never played any of them, but let me Why tell that you. One? I'm ordering this one because – Westworld made me realize that I like westerns. Ah. I don't know why. I like I like the old west, man. Yeah. I didn't know I liked looked, the old west. The preview looked pretty cool. I but Westworld made me realize I liked the old west. So yeah. I have ordered this video game. Wow. I will probably play it about 20 minutes a week. So if you're a big gamer, don't make fun of me because I'm not going to be able to play through this what thing. What do you uh, PlayStation? Yeah, I got a PS4. I don't play very much. I play a little FIFA. I used to play Tiger all the time, but then they don't have Tiger anymore. Yeah, I like I loved the Tiger. On the I did too, system. man. I, I used to Tiger play Tiger all the time. Awesome. Um, now I basically just buy FIFA every year. I didn't even buy Madden this year because like the football games are so complicated. They get now. so hard to play now. Bro, I can't. The, I don't have enough time to try to figure it out. The <laughs> fact that like if you're even slightly buzzed, you probably shouldn't play because it's impossible yeah. to figure out the controls. That's like every game now. <laughs> That's like every game. <laughs> I've been playing me some Mad Fortnite though. I do love me some Fortnite. I, I do more battle the world instead of, or sorry, save the world instead of battle royale. Okay. Battle royale is like what uh, Sugar Sean and all the cats were playing, right. where it's like you against uh, all these other people because it takes forever the game to load, and then you're like trying to crouch around and get resources, and you start with absolutely nothing, and then you just get destroyed from some sniper way off, and then it takes a while for the game to load, and then you get so pissed off. Yeah. Whereas like the battle, uh, save the world, um, you have to make like a little. Payment or donation, I think, is what they did. Whatever to to get the beta release of it, and then uh, that you're battling like what I call zombies. They call them husks in the game. I love that one because you can build up your players and you can have all the weapons. So you start with like tons of gear. So once you 
do the time, like you're awesome in the game. Like I'm, my players are set right now. So I'll start the game. I'm like, oh, this is fun. When I play Battle Royale and you start with nothing and you're trying to get the shit, it sucks because I'll I'll be running around with just this like little, what do you call it? Uh, like thing to smash rocks and resources. And you don't have a gun, and then you'll run up against somebody with a gun, and you're like, try and hit them with your little pitchfork <laughs> or whatever. You're like, no, your pickaxe. You're like, yeah, I'm going to get you. And they're just like, shotgun. And then you're like, fuck, now I got to wait like two, three, four, five more minutes for the game to cycle. And you're just I'm like, surprised so you have time to do this between all your tape study for the fights. Well, you know, that's it. I watch it all on my Xbox. I, I do. I watch, a, I watch a fight, then I Fortnite, then I watch a fight, and then. Not really. I just Fortnite. Uh, too I've <laughs> never played a game of Fortnite. Not, it's fun. Not really. I like the. I like what I played. That, but it's funny because I played with a couple of guys, uh, other junkies like Lucas from New Zealand. Wow. And uh, shout out to Lucas. He never played with me again because I sucked. <laughs> 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 he was like, he was like, oh, well, this is kind of funny. He's like, oh, I, I need to, uh, I need to go. And I was like, uh, you just don't want to fucking play with me. Pretty no much. And I was like, I get it. That suck. That's too great. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's gonna be my day tomorrow. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna enjoy the that's day cool. off. I think you'll like it. Those games are good. I like the Red Dead. The other thing is, I eventually you'll find out because you can skip. You know, you'll find parts where you go out in the woods and then you could set camp and it'll speed up. And then you could quick trick to like once you find locations. Mm -hmm. What sucked for me in the first one is that. You're on a fucking horseback. Right. So you're running from location to location. You're like, oh, this horse is still just going and going and going. Yeah, it was like, oh, this sucks. But little side stories happen as the horse is going. You know, maybe somebody getting robbed or you see other uh, animals and things that you could hunt for pelts and stuff right. like that. So that was kind of interesting. But after a while, it was just like, uh, and then I end up getting, I think, the latest Battlefield or one of the ones that I was like, oh, sorry, Red Dead, you know, and then that was it. But I saw the previews for the new one, and it looked really, really cool. So We'll see how it goes. I'm not much like of a it. gamer, but uh, I found out I'm a Western fan. So I'm Well, gonna... it'd be interesting to go. I'm going to see how you start to play and then tell Eli, because he's going to get to the age where it's like, let me show you how it's done, Dad. Oh, it's going to be bad already. <laughs> it's going to be bad. Let me show you how it's done. So sad. He's going to wax me. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Well, listen, that's all we got going. I'm going to yeah. go uh, drink some more frosty beverages and uh, – Probably pick up a little B-dubs on the way home. As, Ooh, that sounds good. As we do. In the meantime, thanks for listening.